Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. We have got a very special Church Planner podcast for you today. Peyton Jones and I run a program called Jump School. You might have heard us talk about it on the podcast before. Well, one of the things we do in Jump School is once a month, we have a call called Band of Brothers. And it's a call where all of our church planners are able to dial in and they can ask any question that they've got. We usually have a little bit of uh, goodness that we're going to share with them, too. And so on this particular Church Planner podcast, we thought we would release to you what it's like to be in Jump School Band of Brothers, to hear some of the conversations that go on. If Jump School is something that you would be interested in finding out more about, you can head on over to jumpschooltraining.com and you can find all about the Jump School training program. Thanks so much. Look forward to talking with you guys soon. Hey, Church Planner. Welcome to the Band of Brothers call. I'm Pete Mitchell. I'm here with my special friend, Peyton Jones. I'm uncomfortable. Peyton. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I don't know what I that didn't means. call you. I didn't call you my little friend because I know how you get offended by that. So I said special. Hey, hey, I don't call you my big friend. And maybe that's offensive. It's not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> If I could have a choice between being big and being small, I would choose to be big. In fact, it's, it's what I dream about at night. <laughs> it's well, funny. I'm hoping for heaven. It, it's funny. I'm huge in heaven. If I, could, if I could choose between being big and being small, I'd be small. So go figure. Are you serious? See, now, you would, you would make a good sniper if you're small. Special forces are, are, yeah, snipers are little little dudes. They actually just send me into areas with a lot of big boulders for me to hide behind because, uh, you know, that's that's the kind of sniper terrain that I need. <laughs> when I was a firefighter, dude, Barry just texted. Right he through. said, he said the wheels came off this call real early. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our new battle cry. <laughs> Whatever we do. Oh my gosh. Hey, what I was going to tell you though is, um, so, uh, Jonathan Ferguson, who's back from Kenya, um, they need a new car. And, uh, and I've been shopping for a new car and I happened to come across a used car and I thought it was a screaming good deal. And I was like, you know what? It's funny. I got a little bit of uh, a scratch I got to put towards some, uh, some missions work. Like, hey, maybe I can help them out, get this car. So I reach out. <laughs> It's a true story, man. I reached out to the owner of the car. The car. I was on a Facebook Marketplace. That's where I found it, right? And 
they, they, they message me back. They go, hey, give me your email, and I'll send you pictures of the car and blah, blah, blah. So I sent them my email. Then later that night, I get an email from a woman, not from the man that I had messaged. And it was like, uh, you know, my husband died a month ago, and that's why I got to sell my car. I just got to get rid of it ASAP. You know, brings up too many bad memories. And, like, Whoa. the bells are going off in my head. There's something not right here, right? Because then, yeah. then I'm like, what's the Kelly Blue Book on this? And Kelly Blue Book's, like, way more than what she's asking for, like, way more. And so I go, give me the VIN number. I want to make sure it's got a clean title and, and everything else. Oh, you know, just let me know if you want to do it, and and I don't need to be there to see it. And we'll do this through PayPal. Next thing I know, a Nigerian prince is dead and has been left in inheritance of a car, and he needs to get rid of it. I was so disappointed. Oh man! Oh no wonder the pain was so great. Yeah, I I was like, man, here I'm trying to do a good deed, and someone's trying to scheme. I hope you felt bad. I hope you felt bad trying to profit over someone's misery. Guys in the, what I felt uh, bad about in the Bible course. Back. What I felt bad was I to Jonathan, I'm like, hey, do you guys still need a card? Because I think I got a lead on one. He's like, yeah, we do. And then I'm like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, man. It's a scam. <laughs> I feel oh, bad. Oh, and those guys probably go to his church. <laughs> They're probably from his, from his neighborhood. He's <laughs> Hey, uh, is um you know, I, I normally Pete speaks all about the Bible, of course, and I, of course, know nothing about that and have nothing to do with, with leading and teaching that. But in this case, I have to step in and just, you know, kind of intervene and just say, all you guys in the Bible, of course, please learn from Pete's mistake here, uh, you know, his uh, way he wants to profit over other people's suffering. Um, just, you know, please do not follow Pete on this. He could be a bit mercenary. So I just hope you feel bad, man. That's, hey, you know, everybody dies. That's not profiting off of someone else's suffering. I mean, it's just a natural part of life. And, you know. Hey, and don't can, think because, you know, the Nigerian princess was royalty that somehow it makes it better. You know, like, uh, well, you know, she had a good life. Like, that's, that doesn't doesn't float with me, Mitchell. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Hey, we should probably get on to uh, church planning goodness. And uh, we should. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, this is in danger of becoming smack talk, which we run this danger every month. We do. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, uh, here's the deal. If you're on the call for Band of Brothers, um, we've got Peyton, of course, live. And we always like to answer any of your questions that have to do with church planting, any question you've got at all. Um, we'd be happy to to address that. And, of course, when I say we, I'm speaking in the royal sense because what do I know about church planning? That's Peyton's gig. So um, if you've got a question and you're live online, all you got to do is hit star two. That will raise your hand. I'll pull you over into the call so that way uh, you can uh, ask your question. And I know we didn't get any questions emailed to address Uh so I don't know if uh, – I'm not seeing anyone raising their hand. So, Peyton, do you um, have anything that you wanted to go over specifically on today's call? No, um, I don't. I don't really think about church planning much these days. And uh, No, I do, actually. I want to uh, – so no one has a question? No one's got their hand raised. Start to okay. at any time, guys, if you've got a comment or you want to chime in. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I I've been thinking a little bit. So on our last podcast, I went went off on a little bit of a rant about pop culture and I've been thinking about this since the call, how important it is. And for example, like we mentioned um before we were recording, I mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk. And, you know, I get a lot from him personally. Now he's he's a bit of a, a business guru, you know. Um, he's kind of like uh, Pete in, in the sense that he helps other people do what they got to do, build their businesses, gives advice, um, kind of acts as a consultant, um, you know, but mainly on social media things. But I will often listen to him and I will gain so much insight, even things that I feel like God speaks to me on. 
that and and while you're listening to him, he's dropping f bombs and he's by no means a believer in Christ. Um, but a lot of his wisdom on things, like for example, I was listening to him uh, today, and he was talking about um, a girl called in. It's about a 20 minute call, and he said every 20 year old needs to listen to this. And basically, what it was was a 20-year-old saying, look, I have this goal to be a millionaire by 25. I'm 22 now, get, getting ready to turn 23. And I just, you know, what advice can you give me? Because I see my goal. And, I'm, and he just stops her and goes, whoa, 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 wait a second. Who told you you're going to be a millionaire at 25? And she's like, well, you know, blah, blah, it's just a dream. And he's like, whoa, why? And, and he goes, do you understand that? He goes, this is what you need. A ton of patience for six years. He goes, the next six years, he goes from 7 a.m. till 1 a.m. in the morning. That's your time. That's your sweet spot. And you work and you hustle and you build what you're going to do. And he, he gave her a lot of practical advice, like, what should I focus on? And, and he was giving her tailored advice to her. But he goes, look, every 20-year-old needs to hear this. You you look at other people and what they're doing, and you, you think, man, why am I missing what they're He's like, that's not how it works. He said, basically, you need to just have macro patience and micro hustle. Every day, your micro hustle is at 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. And he goes, and then the macro is patience. So it's speed on the micro level, patience on the macro level. And, I, you know, I was just kind of thinking about that. that um, I remember when, when Pete and I, and this is going to tie into church planning here, but, but just bear with me. Um, this is this is kind of a big topic here, and and I'm going to kind of stitch it together. But this idea of patience, macro patience, and hard work. Um, you know, there's quick cash, there's get rich quick, but the but the reality is, on most things in life, you've got to put time in. So I don't I don't know how long Pete's been. Pete, I don't know how long you've been you've been doing your thing. But I mean, you've been you've been at this for a long time, and you've developed skills. Uh, and, since at least last August when I started selling it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but but you you have put significant. You didn't just pop up overnight at 22 years old and two years later you're like a millionaire. You know, um, you've put your time in. I mean, a lot of your experience factored into this, and you worked hard as an entrepreneur when everyone mocked you. Your family's like, what are you doing? You know, they watch business ventures succeed but fail. They probably watch the slow start. And and I think with church planning, it's very much the same. That what people often do is the same thing that that young, uh, wanting to be an entrepreneur, um, you know, she she was missing the idea that this isn't like you hear the odd church planning story where the, the you know, um, it gets glorified over time, by the way. So like Mark Driscoll, right? Um, guy kind of blew up overnight um, on social media, and you know his videos were suddenly everywhere, and he had books, and everyone's talking about him. That did not happen overnight. As much as you go back and you you listen to the stories about what happened, there was a large period of time where Mark was just teaching a room full of ten people. You know, or, or, you know, if you read his book, Confessions of a Reformationist Rev, he stuck at it and he felt God was calling him. So he kept doing it. And so in, in one sense, there's this, this endurance. And I think everybody in the world who's made it at something, they've had to put in the work and you have to be patient. Pete and I are coming up on four years doing Church Planner Magazine, Church Planner Magazine podcast. Our numbers are bigger than they've ever been. Um, I just got a report totally independent today where they were asking the church planners, Nam, who do you listen to? Um, and a lot of them have come back um, saying, I listen to Peyton Jones. And they didn't say Pete Mitchell. It's just Peyton Jones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think that's probably but, but, best. You know, let's, let's be fair. That's, that's definitely best. <laughs> Yeah, suddenly now Nam has opened up this in-house investigation of Church Planner Magazine when they mentioned Pete's name. But, uh, but you know, the, the funny thing is, is that, you know, I look back and I remember back in the beginning in 2013 and guys like, you know, 
he called me up and he was a he was a church planner and he was working with like Alan Hirsch and Forge. <clears throat> and he called me up and he's like, Hey, like, how are you doing this? Like what you know, all of a sudden like I look, you're everywhere. You know, at that time we were speaking to Exponential and there's different things and the magazine had come up, my book had come up and so there probably was like a burst. But it was it was in in many ways it was small. But what he was asking is, you know, um where have you come from? Like suddenly you're out of the blue. Well, I had just moved to the country in 2011, but there's a lot of stuff people met. People didn't see four and a half months spent in a, a condo in Oregon in the high desert writing a book. They didn't see that time investment. They didn't see the work that Pete put into this magazine. I say Pete because at that time I was, I was doing what Barry ended up doing. But I still feel like I did a, a small part. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of things that people don't see. They don't see the time investment, the commitment. And the same with church planning, you know. Um, you, you, it's just the same principle that you're going to have to work hard at your church plant when, when nothing seems to be happening, when it's lonely and it, it's scary and, and it, constantly feels like pillar was a great success story but i can remember for the first year or two i mean barry was on the call he, he remembers pillar i mean it was awesome barry barry was one of the first wave of guys um i think his brother came i don't know if his brother was saved or not but his brother brought him barry came unsaved barry got saved um barry brought people they got to i mean it was pretty cool and it was a neat little experience and it was god but i can remember just <laughs> I remember the Sunday I turned up and hardly anyone was there in the parking lot. And I literally, because I had forgotten my notes, I was in a funk anyways under tons of spiritual attack. My notes were sitting at home and I had forgotten them. It was just, and I pull up into the parking lot and there's like six cars and I walk inside and there's like 10, 11 people. Like two of those are in Sunday school. Two, two more of those are like in the worship band. So I think, sitting in there was like five people in the room and I got in my car to go get my notes and I had no intention of coming back. I was so angry and I was like, where are, like, what are we doing here? You know, and I was, I was just cheesed off and I was ready to quit. And people don't talk about these things. You know, people don't tell you what it's really like at first in the endurance. And I remember for the first, I was at pillar for five years um, longest I've ever been in a church plant. And for the first couple of years, man, I just, it always felt like it was going to implode. And I was okay with that because at that time, God had done a work in my heart where I didn't really, I wasn't there for me. But that one Sunday was kind of a crunch point. And I remember it had to be enough that Jesus was there. That just had to be enough for me that Jesus was there and one other person turned up. And if Jesus said two or more, and that was a real transformation moment. I feel sometimes these transformation moments happen in us. And I remember talking to a church planner I trained a year ago, and he said, what if my whole church planning experience was really just for God to sanctify and transform me? You know, it can be kind of arrogant to think I'm going to go into this, this neighborhood, and I'm going to transform this neighborhood. And... um you know, what if it's just to transform you? And I, I think like Pete says, sometimes we get our eyes off the prize. And those of you in the Bible course, you know, I would I would caution against as you start making money, you go, man, this is great. Maybe I should just do this full time and forget about church plan. I would caution and just say, hey, you know, do this as your tent making. But um, just remember why you're doing this and why you were called to this. I mean, if you're called just to go make money, you could do a bunch of other things. But um the reason we do this, the reason that we plant, isn't for any other reason other than that. And when you start having those transformation moments, that suffering and that aloneness and that hard work and that struggle is what leads to the metamorphosis. I, I told my daughter this week, she was struggling on a walk we were doing. And I said, babe, you work hard at this, you know, because she's just like, I'm tired. And we only walk like a mile. And uh, usually there's like a, a donut or something at the end of it for, you know, but, but I said, babe, it's like, it's like the butterfly when it struggles, you know, the cocoon. Cause we, 
we have cocoons that, that hatch on our property. And, um, and we've always made a big deal about it, shown the girls, and we watch it every day. And I, I just tell her, hey, it's like the, the cocoon is going to be a beautiful butterfly, but that struggle's a part of it. So I just want to encourage you, church planners, with that. But even a part of the bigger topic of this, and I, and I feel like some of you guys needed to hear that, and that, that may be a slightly prophetic uh, vein, but here's the deal. I don't, I don't feel when I'm when I'm often speaking to planters and I'm speaking to ministers that they understand the principle that I was originally trying to lay down, and that is when I hear from guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, it's the reason God speaks to me is that wisdom is embedded in the universe. So um, if you if you understand Solomon's approach to wisdom. Uh, Chronicles says that Solomon wrote Proverbs, but that he also gathered and um, uh, collected Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs was not all original writings by Solomon. Some of them are Sumerian Proverbs. Remember, I taught Old Testament uh, for two years, and we came to the the wisdom poetry. And I had to do some deep digging and deep research on this stuff. And I would look at things where they would find and unearth the, the Chaldean Proverbs, the Sumerian Proverbs, the you know, the Syrian Proverbs that Solomon collected and Chronicles tells you he did so. So not all of them were him and they weren't all as if he had heard directly from the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so what Proverbs itself and the wisdom literature, the, the Old Testament teaches us is that wisdom is embedded in the universe. That's why he goes to nature, go to the ant you slaughtered. Wisdom is embedded everywhere and you will find wisdom Everywhere in the universe, it doesn't have to have a Christian moniker attached to it. So you'll be doing Pete's Bible course, you'll get wisdom out of it, right? You get a lot of non-wisdom because it's Pete, but, you know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm just and people it. wonder but, why but, I put you in a timeout. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no one puts baby in the corner. <laughs> Dude, that was so funny. That's the unlimited effect. But, uh, which Pete and I speak, that's our fluent language, is the unlimited effect. But, uh, but, but the idea is that wisdom is everywhere. And when you start understanding that, I think for me, that came alive by two ways. Number one, I've always been a fan of the Puritans, right? Because that was what they did. They're, like, we make illustrations. We make illustrations from our sermons, right? So we'll go to our sermons. We'll, we'll say, oh, this is a great spiritual truth I need to illustrate. And that's the front to back way of illustrating. You take a principle, right, a precept. And you lay it down, you crystallize it, and then you illustrate it. And then you apply it. That's classic preaching. But what the Puritans were masters of was doing what Spurgeon did, um, where I've told the story a million times, where he takes his students into a room, and he says, that candle in the center of the table. He was actually in the room. They had a candle on the table. And he tells the students, um, hey, uh, you should be able, for example, to illustrate anything. That candle on the table. What's that? You're breaking up. Oh, uh, don't know what to do about that. So uh, better, better, better. Now you're back. Now you're better. Here yeah. Okay. So so he points at this this candle in the center of the room and says, like, and now you're you should be able to. Oh, are you kidding? I don't know what that is. Um, go go ahead and try it on. again. All right, one sec. Let me just check. All right, yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Sorry, guys. So he basically says, look, you know, you should be able to illustrate from just about anything. That can't own the center of the room. And so, any better? Uh, It was until you said any better. (laughs) (laughs) All right, gremlins. All right, so uh, I'm on my child's jungle gym now. I I (laughs) have a mountain. This is how I climb. I just climbed a ladder on my kid's jungle jungle gym. (laughs) I'm I'm standing with my hand raised up in the air. (laughs) Beam it down to me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I I feel like man with the sword of power. power. I have the power. I'm I'm, I'm holding aloft my magic sword to get the power. So, um, (laughs) anyways, so you know, the, Spurgeon, what he did was the opposite. He said, you should be able to look at anything in the universe 
and develop a spiritual truth from it. And of course, in that story, he he they all moan and say, "Hey, you can't get a hundred illustrations from that," and you just rattle them off. And then he goes, "Now your homework assignment is to come up with a hundred different ones." Which then they moan even more the next morning. They come back, and Spurgeon, after they share, you know, somewhere ten between them, he rattles off one hundred more, and. That was that was what the Puritans were masters of, and that was reverse engineering illustrations. In other words, they would find an illustration in the universe, and then they would go, well, if God designed the universe, then we will distill spiritual truth from that. And so they did it back-to-front illustration. And so that's that's the Old Testament Hebrew approach to wisdom. It goes to the universe. It goes to nature. It goes to the way things work. And, and it's an observation of life that they, they do. You see, we go to Proverbs, and it's written for us in crystallized precept form. But that's not how they got there. It got there from people observing life, like the Sumerians who didn't know God, the Chaldeans who didn't know God. But they observed the universe and how God designed it. So the other night, um, last night, my wife and I were talking, and we were saying um, – She's like, hey, my daughter ratted me out and goes, dad hasn't been reading the Bible with me at night. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I told her, I go, you're busted. No funny video tonight. You just ratted me out. And so I was chatting with Andrew and I said, what I've been doing is I've been taking her math book. She has this really cool book. And I know this sounds stupid because I'm not a math guide, but I figured if I go through it, I'll probably learn more than my daughter does. But it's this book all about the history of math and mathematics and, you know, the science of math. But what's really cool about it is, you know, the first day we go through this book in our quiet time, and it's like, you know, it says everything else, language, words, concepts, we make the, we invent those. And so that's language is invented, and English is invented. All these things are invented. Art is invented. But math exists. And Every culture deals with numbers, and numbers are not open to interpretation. Numbers are numbers. And so we were talking, and I was saying, isn't that cool, babe? It's like it's like if you didn't believe in God, God's put something hardwired into the universe that just is. You can't question it. It just is. It's reality. And what we said was, you know, so so we talked about the existence of God and the designer Someone had to invent math, you know, it, it, it's it's an absolute in the universe. Like, how radical is that, that God could just invent something that just is? And it, you, you can't do anything about it. And it's hardwired. Math is in everything. There's a sequence in everything. And so it, it was this really rich, quiet time. But it was doing it exactly what we're talking about, that model of quiet time it was literally taking something in the universe. And, and so why I'm going into this is because I mentioned on the podcast, it was just a rant, and I, I put it, when I advertised, I put that in there, that quote. I've never done that before, but I feel so strongly about this. If you cannot relate to pop culture, you cannot relate to your culture. And that's just such a tweetable, uh, tweetable quote. I mean, it's just... It's so true, and I believe this so strongly because when I went to the U.K., that was the only way I could communicate with people. Church Zero is filled with illustrations because that's how I learned to communicate the gospel. Um, I had no other connector between a biblically illiterate culture and the culture and so uh, and, and the scripture. So I had to find a middle ground to meet people on, and that was it. So all of that to say, I would find myself, it, it, it changed the way that I assimilated information, the way that I absorbed pop culture, the way everything became, you know, kind of like the donkey that Jesus rode in on. What I mean on that is if you, if you listen to me for any time, eventually I'll say something like, you know, the master has need of your donkey. And, and, and basically the pop culture donkey, Jesus rides in on it for me. You know, um, that proclaims him king. There, there are spiritual truths hardwired into the universe that movie makers, the TV shows, that, that pop music, lo- you know, love songs, all that stuff. It all capitalizes on truths 
that, that I feel that God even then is still communicating. Just like when Paul quotes the poets on Mars Hill in Athens, where he goes, even one of the, he harnesses their poetic donkey for the master to ride in on. The master has need of this poetic donkey, boom, he quotes him. One of your own prophets, one of your own poets has said. And so, so for me, I, I think some of this developed. So I said, number one, through the Puritans. Number two, it developed through being completely sub- submerged in a culture that was secular. And I mean, we still got religious stuff, and that was for 12 years. We still got religious stuff in America. I can still go to a Christian bookshop. I think there were two Christian bookshops in the country when I went to Wales. I mean, there there were not Christian bands. Forget about it, right? Like I I I didn't even know what Christian bands were anymore when I lived there. There were no Christian bands there, right? I think London had one, and it just that's how it works. So you you, you have to learn to absorb. I remember going through a really tough time and watching Spider Man Two. Remember Spider Man Two, Pete? Tell me, McGuire. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't remember it being any good, but I'm sure I saw it. Yeah, you know, I actually kind of like that one, but um, I remember watching that one, and that's the one where he's just falling to bits. His personal life has fallen to bits as he's trying to be a web slinger, and I'm sitting there feeling God speak to me powerfully through Spider Man, and I remember thinking that was as good as a minister's conference. And and I just think when you are surrounded by that kind of culture, you start to think differently. And maybe maybe Barry will will have some insight on this living in Wales. I mean he's he's the he's the fish that grew up in that water. And the fish is always the last one to notice the water, but you know, that that's just been the air he's breathed all his life. But for me it was a change, but it changed me. And so I would say to you guys, you know, even though it was big rant for me. I really believe that it's something that's a skill in order to reach our society, to reach our cultures. As church planners, we really have to hone this ability to distill wisdom and insight and truth from the universe around us, even pop culture, whatever it is, um, so that we're able to communicate spiritual truth more effectively. Mm. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Well, hey, guys, if you've got any comments or questions, go ahead and hit star two. That'll raise your hand. And uh, A. David raised his hand right before Peyton went off on his rant. So uh, he may not even remember what his question is. I'm going to pull him into the call. So uh, hold on a second here. Hey, A. David, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man, how are you? How are you, Peyton? Pete. Can you hear me? Doing good, man. How are you? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. No, I said, no, 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 no. I knew it was, no, no. <laughs> no. Uh, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Peyton, I think, was probably, uh, he, was, he was texting someone, I'm sure. Okay. And, it, oh, my phone's not, something, someone's trying to call me. Let me make sure this doesn't interrupt, interrupt me. Um. And that's the voice now. Okay. So um, I, I was very glad to hear everything that Peyton was going into. Um, I think it was a timely call. I think that what well, the subject content was, was very necessary. It's funny. I told my wife last night that um, I said, David, I said, I get a chance to, oh, it was this morning, I said, I get a chance to uh, uh, participate of be a part of this call. And the brother said, uh, I have I've just, Really, always wanted to be a part of this event and hear it, and just you know, I knew there was some tremendous uh, truth and relevance, you know, that's being shared. You know, I know I've listened to the podcast for for a few years, but I was never able to to do this. So I was really grateful for the invitation. And what you're saying is, is right on point, Peyton. I think that is um, something that we are as uh, Bible uh, church planners really trying to maintain in the forefront. Is really Interestingly enough, it, it, what's helpful about it is uh, the the group is very um, interactive. So, and we're very um, very honest. I was just very very little pretentiousness. So everybody can just be very real with each other and even challenge one another and sort of think that that's been very beneficial. Um, and it's good, I man. Good. How, how Pete 
Pete is really, I've never known Pete like this. I've only known him through the, through the podcast, but what he has, what he has done actually is he, and you already know this, of course, but he's actually, um, cultivated a group of, of, of people, uh, with some of his core, um, characteristics. So he's very selfless. I said selfless. Okay. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's very sharing with, with his intellectual property. So we all kind of just have, have begun to model that. Um, but, you know, as you were talking about the, um, the way we should be focused and remain focused, I, I get, we get, I get that. I get that. Um, I guess, I guess for me, and, and I don't quite, I didn't quite forget what I wanted to say. Uh, it's just so many other things came to surface after you were speaking. Um, but I just, I just really appreciate everything you said, man. It's, uh, it's very relevant to where we are. Um, some of the things that you brought up kind of made me remember, you know, I read your email the other day about the, um, about just doing your stuff in the park and I was like, yeah, I, I have memories like that too. It's just bringing the church outside and, and contextualizing the culture, what you're talking about and mm-hmm. how, how it's, how it's really difficult and people are, it's very difficult to do actually, um, I had to learn and be trained in it and, and you have to be very, um, you have to be skilled at it. You, 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 and oh, I know what it was now, the time issue, the time issue that you put in on learning these things. I was tying that to Pete's experiences, how we're kind of modeling his experiences, but we're really relying upon mm-hmm. his life experiences. Um, and yeah. even with church planting, I think people, think that, you know, you can just go out and, and grab a group of people. But, man, I remember sitting on the curb outside of West Jersey Hospital many Sunday evenings waiting for people to show up, you know. And I remember mm. being upset mm. and angry because, you know, no one seemed to get it like I got it. And and it, this is this, this some really, um, a friend of mine says, hard, raw experiences go with it. So, yeah, um, that, that comes with time. That comes with time. That was, that's what makes you seasoned, really. I used to, I used to think when I was younger, you know, I had to, if I had the chops or I had the, you know, the mind or the ability, but I had just as much, uh, right to accomplish something as the next guy. But what, um, yeah. my pastor looked at me one day and he said, he said, actually, we were talking about, uh, me competing against other contractors. And he said to me, he said, yeah, he said, yeah, you can, you got the manpower, you got the mind, you know what to do. He said, but these guys, man, they, you know, these businesses have been in business for generations. These are like second and third generation businesses. And mm. you have to understand that when you're competing with them, it, it's not cut and dry and black and white. And right. I didn't quite want to receive it at the time. I was like, I looked at him kind of out of the corner of my eye, you know, I was driving him actually as an armor bearer. Then, Years later, I came to understand exactly what he meant, though. There's, there's a, there's a season where you have to, I love what you say, Brandon, because it's six years, you know, look at that time as a time of development. And I wish someone had kind of told yeah. me that, um, more, more directly. <laughs> that was the yeah. one thing about my past that I really couldn't get. You know, he always gave me these kind of side statements. You know, I think we need, I know I do, I need direct information. <laughs> you know, do this, do that, don't do this, yeah. don't do that. Yeah, but, man. Um, that's it. You know, it, it's funny, A. David, because it's like it's like we're we're kind of I think what Pete and I are doing in in our respective ways because we love you guys and we respect you and we we appreciate God's calling you. Pete's trying to disciple you with the leadership skills that he's developed, and I'm trying to disciple you. And we're a team in that because ultimately, you know, we're both doing it for God's glory. And we've both got our areas of expertise, but it all comes down to how do we take these guys that are willing to sacrifice it all for the kingdom and, you know, reach lost people? How do we help them? And Pete's got unique skill skill sets to help with that. And I've got unique skill sets. But but really, at the end of the day, um, what we're doing is we're discipling. You know, we're, we're making disciples. You know, we're taking the journey and we're, we're kicking it back like Paul did with Timothy. And, and really, you know, eventually my, my hope would be, um, you know, as you're getting this life work balance, 
that as you're developing um, in the area of being a consultant, that you're also discipling people uh, in your church plan so that it's not all falling on you. You know, because part of part of what you're doing is you're freeing up your life to not have to, you know, kill yourself trying to pay the bills. But at the same time, um, you don't want to, you know, keep the church situation as it is either, where you're not sharing out with the team. And, and of course, you and I have talked, you know, quite a bit. And, um, you know, you've got a, a team leadership approach already. And uh, I know your wife is a vital part of what you do, which is like most of the game right there. But, um, you know, it's it's important to to start, you know, sharing out the work with your church people, too. And that's that's when church starts getting really healthy so that you're not the pastor only model doing everything either. And sorry, that's a little bit of a tangent, but just kind of sparked as you were speaking there, you know, just like we're kind of discipling. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, that was part of one of the things I thought I might be able to say to you that uh, when Pete and I talked to about a week or so ago, he was asking me about the plant, and I was sharing with him how, and I've written you about this. How I, I'm at a point right now, um, and that's what I think this 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 um, group is really designed for, um, for me to be able to say that. After doing this for so long in, in different contexts and with different groups, finally, 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 really understanding and apprehending the role I'm going to use your acronym, this model, uh, and how yeah. significant that is to the success of a healthy church. Because I've, I've, I've approached it from covenantal side, you know, trying to instill covenant. I've approached it from spiritual gift side, but Still in there was this uh, reluctance to really allow it to be that that real model. So um, what I what I decided to do very clearly, and really it was just attrition. Really, uh, just decide I'm going to be still and grow in this area of of you know preparing my family in a much more healthier economic way. And they, the Lord's grace yeah. has been wonderful in keeping us through it, but uh, I'm not angry anymore about what, you know, <laughs> different things that take place. But and I, I'm waiting. I, I have uh, three or four people who I see their gifts and they're mature, but they're really a part of other churches. They're disgruntled. You know, they're, they're not happy. Right. And they're very, right. they're very connected to me. They, 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 they look for me to pour into them and they, and they take the, take the guidance and the discipling uh, that I share with them. Uh, and I'm not even rushing them to come and be a part of what I'm doing because I've realized I'm not really ready yet. Um, I, I need to be really in a place where uh, I can truly bring them together in a uniform way mm-hmm. that can bring glory to God, not bring fractions. There's always going to be a little bit of fractions caused, but what we can actually be expected. They're working with me on different projects, but I'm keeping them very much uh, in line with where they are. I'm not trying to to create something just out of my own energy. Uh, I think that's a lot of insight right there. I think that's kind of a uh, that's worth the price of admission right there. Again, it, it goes back to that taking time. You know, one of, one of the most common mistakes I see with guys either I coach or church planners is they don't, again, like like Gary was saying, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, they don't put the underground work in time in of developing the core team. That's why a lot of, you know, we, we spent 20 grand on the jump school project. I mean, that's a lot of money for me. I mean, I've never spent that much money. And it wasn't, you know, Pete jokingly said, or seriously said, Pete doesn't understand to get the money part. I'm a terrible businessman, but I never made that stuff to make money. That that video was kind of really a, a way for me to give back to the church, the church that really had fed me all those years, you know, with sermons or you know. And I just remember thinking, there's a lot of guys out there. I can I can pay this forward. I can I can give back what I know, and what I know is 
this is one of the biggest mistakes a church planner makes, and they start out wrong. If you start out wrong, um, it's much, much harder to, to, to put all the mice back in the box once you've let them out. Um, and, and it's not too late to relaunch. A guy can always pull it back and relaunch, but, but you're right. You know, having that kind of foundation laid before you start building, um, it's that underground work that goes on. I wouldn't, you know, I say six months to a year, but even before that, like there's maybe a year before that. So you're looking at maybe two years. There's a year before that where you're talking to your wife, you're praying, you're seeking the Lord, you're trying to work out whether or not you're called. So really, realistically, it's almost going back like two years. But sometimes what a guy will do is like three, four, five months in, after praying with his wife during that time, he goes, right. And then he goes, okay. He does the next thing he knows how to do. All right, um, let's start looking for a haul. And two months later, he's launched something, and he's got a few people yeah. with him, and he's trying to advertise on Facebook. And it's just a mess, you know. Yeah. And uh, so so yeah, part yeah. of that jump school training was to help guys avoid that because it, it makes sense. It, it it makes sense why guys would, would go that way, but um, there's a lot more prep work and groundwork that needs to be done. Thank you. Thank you, very much. Thank you right. man. Hey, real real quick, um, hey David, let me let me ask you this. Um how's the library going? Because that that's quite a I'm I'm debating yeah. getting you on um you know hardcore for that. Well I'll never forget that morning when <laughs> we caught in. Um, you gave this through this idea of concepts out there and uh, I took it back and she jumped on it. You know, matter of fact we had a slight it's going great, there um uh, it's going great, Paige. We um we had about at some nights we had as high as fifteen, but then we got a core out of that group. Wow. Um that was um that's about six. And then they did a then they did a schedule change because they had some things on their schedule. We booked like three months in advance. We booked out three months of uh, weekly sessions, and the library uh, supplied all of the writing templates. I created a curriculum that uh, PowerPoint wow. research a whole blown nine, and and they paid me, man. They they offered me three hundred bucks a month. I was like, praise God, you know, that's like sixty five bucks an hour. <laughs> now that's my rate. I like that rate. I can work with that, right? <laughs> So and Peyton doesn't understand. Get the money. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's accidental. Full disclosure. I was about to say full disclosure. <laughs> Peyton didn't say anything about the money. He was like, "Listen, this is a great way to be embedded in the community and you know become part of it." And I'm and I'm really big on that, so I'm always looking for ways to do that. <laughs> uh, and it was perfect. It was a perfect idea. And. Um, yeah, so so um, we're gonna we've now moved yes, to Monday and, night. And in full disclosure, Peyton does not understand get the money. Give give our listeners real quick because I know we're running out of time. But give our listeners a little bit of background as to what it was you were trying to do. For those who don't know what was going on with the library, just give us a little background. All right. Well, the idea was to become um, a part of the library culture. Um, really have Bible studies there. Initially, it was my first thought where, and I, I knew I wanted the Bible study to be very, uh, subversive where it wasn't something that would be perceived as a Bible study, but something that people could connect to us with and really, uh, just maybe talk, you know, talk about biblical issues tied to, tied to current events, things like that, right? And then Peyton said, uh, well, hey man, you're a writer. Dude, why don't you uh, why don't you uh, start uh, like a creative writing workshop? I was like, okay, that's a pretty interesting idea. And when I went to the director, the county director, um, and she had read my book and she had, she bought like eleven copies and put them in all these different county libraries. And she was like, yeah, so she was already supportive with my point, and so she really jumped on it, and and it allowed me also to introduce to the group because I still wanted to be a missional movement. So I I tell them in the beginning, you know, this is a collaboration between our ministry and the library. I said, uh, I've, I'm teaching you all and guiding you all on how to get creative with your writing, right? But, but here was the thing. But I wanted to introduce no edit meditative prayer to them. So I, I use that as a way to uh, introduce meditative, Christian meditative prayer for about five, just like between five and six minutes. Mm. Um, 
just to help them become conscious of what it means to be still and listening to God. Because in our mm. culture today, that's not part of our, not really part of our, uh, our world. So, but right. I couched it, I couched it in a way to make it appear or very clearly that this was a way for them to gain creativity. You know, because, you know, right. people who are highly spiritual, they didn't want to be creative. So, but this was the way I, the Holy Spirit will help you gain creativity. So, um, right. So, you know, it's flavored with our Christian faith, but it's, but it's, um, it's very, I like the word subversive because you have to be wise in the serpent and it's harmless to the the Bible tells us. Yeah. I hope that helps. Yeah, it really does. And, and I mean, just getting 15 people out, you know, from the community for something like that is, is incredible. And, um, well, they advertise I've it. seen, they advertise it. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, and yeah. I mean, you, you were meeting with like, no, I mean, you were meeting with like the, the, the people from the county, you know, some of the admins and, and some of the movers and shakers. And they're like, we need to start this countywide, you know, and I mean, it, it was pretty cool, man. Like it, it really, it really kind of took on a life that, uh, you know, I don't know where it's at now, but I mean, last time we it's talked, there was there. some momentum happening. Yeah. It's amazing. It's still there. It's still there. We have about three people at one point actually became um, interested in the ministry. Uh, one wow. uh, actually is very, 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 very much interested. One of those people I was actually referring to that com- that's really committed to us and, and cares for us, but is part of another church and right. trying to find their way, you know, out of there. But I'm saying no, you know, just, you know, not the time right now, just continue being faithful, continue serving, and the Lord will bless that. And uh, always yeah. always keep, you know, keep a positive light on what God is doing in that place. Um, mm. But, yeah, so, so this is, you know, it's a very, it's, it's a wonderful season right now to be in, even though it has its difficulties, but that's what the preparation looks like. It's very cool. Very cool. Well, you know, and that's just, that's just one thing that can happen, man, when you, decide you're going to uh, start serving the community. And um, it's just really neat, man. Okay. So, yeah. Hey, I want to say one no, thing about, you said you said a couple of days ago, a couple times ago, you talked about your apostolic calling. It was, I think it was on one of your podcasts, right, about apostolic calling. And I remember clearly that the idea that you gave me was a perfect example of how the apostolic gift works. Um, yeah. in the body. And I just remember putting those two things together and saying, like dynamite, like that's exactly what it was. And, that's, yeah. and I know that's what God just used to empower that. So that's my that's Yeah. My. No, I appreciate that, man. And that's, that's kind of the deal is, you know, as opposed to an evangelist who's like, hey, let's just, let's just go talk to people. Let's go get them. The apostolic gifting is how would we take the church and get the church out there and penetrate the community. And, and part of that spiritual gifting is what we call like missional strategy. And that is an apostolic gifting where um, it's one of the reasons like as a, as a, an apostolic leader, you consult because there might be a church that's, that's stuck in their own neighborhood. You know, the pastor, like we said the other day, the, the pastor, you know, gets up in the morning, gets in the in the car, pulls out his driveway, drives past neighbors that he doesn't know, um, because he's he's not he doesn't know how to reach his name. Maybe he's more of a shepherd or a teacher, and it's just not in his wheelhouse. And then he drives across town, the town that he doesn't do anything with, and then he goes to where the church building is, and he drives through that neighborhood that isn't reaching. Uh, you know, that the church building is in with the, the, that the church isn't reaching that neighborhood. And, and, and then he goes into his cubicle and sits in his office all day and makes sermons. And meanwhile, the, the, the community is not impacted. And one, one of the reasons, so an, an apostle would go in and meet with that leadership team. And this is one of the, the beauties of, you know, being kind of apostolic anyways, is you're not connected to one physical context. And God gives you this ability to speak into a congregation, speak into a leadership team and consult and be able to say, well, I see the matrix, man. Like I see the code, like Neo at the end. I see all the green letters here. 
I because that's what I'm wired for. I'm wired to go into a community and see the opportunity, right? It's like when Paul, the entrepreneur, um, both in the business world and spiritually as an apostle, he says in Ephesians, buy up every opportunity. He uses an entrepreneurial term to say, seize all the bargains. They're there. You've got to know what to look for. Buy up all the opportunities. And that's a marketplace term. Um, and, and Paul was saying it in terms of the gospel. And that strategy, that apostolic strategy, is part of how God's hardwired uh, apostolic people. And so that's where our gift comes into a church who say, stuck, and says, we're locked out of this community. We don't know how to reach them. And we're able to come in and say, ah, I know how, you know, I, I can see it. And I get more excited. I remember meeting with the church in Huntington Beach, and I got more excited meeting with this church because they were like, hey, uh, how do we reach uh, this community? And they called me in, and I met with them, and I said, well, look, you know, you got this giant parking lot, and you got all these signs on it that say no parking to the neighbors. Um, is parking a problem around here? Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, here's what you do. And this is this is a little bit from the, the Pete Mitchell playbook here. But I was like, you need those people's emails. You need contact with them. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to pass out flyers that say, hey, we're opening up the, 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 the parking lot to the neighborhood, but we need you to register as a resident here. And so you go around, you make up these flyers, you hold a meeting, like a town hall meeting. Now you've got them through the door of the church. You tell them what you're going to do. Then you tell them that you're also going to do um, neighborhood garage sales, right? Like neighborhood yard sales, and you're going to use that parking lot. That parking lot is going to be a shared space now. You're going to throw carnivals there. You're going to do all they had was this stupid parking lot. <laughs> I was like, already, I, hey, the master has need of this parking lot donkey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Going back to the earlier part, of, you know, we can Jesus can ride in on this donkey, man. This, this is this parking lot's a gold mine. You can use this thing. And and so it's just kind of like it's that strategy of getting, and sure enough, they threw the thing. The only problem is when you consult with people, people tell, or Pete will tell you this, um, starting with Peyton Jones, that often people don't listen to your advice. And so what they did is they threw a giant, they didn't do anything except go, oh, we can throw a giant yard sale. They did that. <laughs> like anyone's information or emails. And, you know, but again, it's that strategy, you know, that you, that right. you see where you're like, I know exactly what I do in this situation. And I, I've learned over the years, it's not that I'm brilliant. Um, it's literally that this is part of the spiritual gifting that God gives you. So, hey, we're out of time. So I'm going to shut up now because, uh, Pete? Ding, ding, yeah, ding. well, I, I see. Do, do you have to leave right now at this moment, Peyton? Me? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm having fun. <laughs> All right, so let me, let me just uh, open it up. If anyone else has any questions, go ahead and hit star two. That'll raise your hand, and I'll pull you over just so I can make sure that uh, if you've got any specifically church planning questions, we'll uh, let you address those with Peyton, because uh, I think we all know. I don't have answers for you on that subject. <laughs> we did get one text in from uh, Tyrone, which I actually thought was a pretty good question. And I see he's on the phone uh, now, but let me let me just read you what he uh, texted in. I'm just going to read uh, the first half. Should I have a landing page for my church? I think that's a great question. What, Peyton, is your take on the web presence a church should have, a church plant should have. Huge, huge um, believer. And I, I'll often kind of, like, pick fun a bit and say things like, oh, you know, uh, surely Paul didn't roll in with a, a sexy logo and a fancy website and rent, rented space and go, hey, I'm planning a church. It, he did the opposite. He, he went, you know, that's back to front. That's what I call church starts. But but would I for a second suggest that you would not put a lot of time and effort into your webpage? You should. And and I've planted before, like <laughs> Refuge Long Beach, our webpage sucked. And I remember talking to, to, to Pete about it once. And Pete's like, well, you know, it's Refuge Long Beach. We still needed a web presence and we had one. But make no mistake, the first thing you do when and, – and we we talked about even our, even our homeless population had cell phones, man, like – you know, 
everybody's got cell phones nowadays. First thing you do is you go and you check out the website every time. Whenever I hear of a church, first thing I do is a Google search and I check out that website and I cyberstalk them. And I figure out if I'm going to go preach it, that's what I do. If someone tells me about them, that's what I do. If someone tells me to go into the church, that's what I do. And don't don't for a second think that a non-believer who's afraid to go to church isn't going to first cyberstalk you and, you know, check you out online. It is very, very, very important to have a website that just, if nothing else, to ease the anxiety that people have about coming to your church. I do think we got to be careful nowadays of trying to be cool. People aren't looking for cool church anymore. If I were going to tell people um, something about church on a website nowadays, I'd be advertising community, a place where, you know, you can forge relationships with other families and families like you and, um, you know, a, a safe place to come. You know, no one's going to do this. And I would answer all their fears and anxieties because I'm, I'm aiming at the non-believer. I don't care about the Christian looking for a better church. I, I care about the, the non-believer who's afraid to come. And I want to speak into that. Yeah, I would, uh, I'm going to throw my two cents on this. I'd agree wholeheartedly. And this is where, guys, things are different than I would do in business. Because in business, we always talk about having a landing page specifically. We're doing lead capture. Uh, but for the church, I would do what in business I would refer to as an authority website. So mm. an authority website is meant to show well, in business, it's meant to show that you're the expert, you know what you're talking about. That's where people go and they're like, okay, good, I am glad I'm doing business with XYZ company. It doesn't do you any good to get leads from that because it doesn't work like that. That's where you need the landing page. But in church, I, I think Michael Cheshire said it best in, I think it was his How to Knock Over a 7-Eleven and Other Ministry Training. I think it was in that book that he said this. He goes, the, the second time someone visits your church, it's when they come through the door. The first time is when they go to your website. And I, mm. I 100% agree with that. You can take to the bank that they are going to your website before they go check out your church. And one of the things that Michael Cheshire uh, did and suggested, <laughs> and I'll just throw this out. Yeah, I know, right? I'll just throw this out there because I know some people are going to have different views on this. But he goes, I think it's so important that you put your sermons online because people are going to go listen to it to see if they want to come to your church. He goes, if yeah. you've never met before, he goes, take it. Get on a mic, record a sermon, and put it on the website. <laughs> That's and really important. Yeah. That's huge. I, I actually agree with that personally. Now, some people might be like, oh, it was a fake sermon. He's like, I don't care. It's the second time they're going to come to my church. So, you know, the first time is there on the website. I want them to hear it. And I agree with that. Yeah. So. Yeah, because what they're looking for, really, again, is are you one of those guys that yells at people? You know, are you – Are am I going to hear weird things? Am I going to feel creepy there? Or are you going to make me feel bad? Like, people are – you know, and, and I know there's, like, the diehards out there. They're like, I don't care. I want to make them feel bad because that's the gospel, baby. I'm going to get along before I give them Jesus. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you, you know what I'm talking about. Just think of it this way, guys. What would Jesus sound like on your church website? What would Jesus sound like? And that's, that's how, the goal is to get people to meet Jesus. And, and so if, as you're building your website, I would just keep going, how did Jesus present himself? Well, that's how I want to be perceived. That's how I want this church to be perceived. Friend of sinners, mm-hmm. um, has time for, for people to come and sit down on the side of the well and, and hear their story and, you know, maybe talk about the fact that all of us have stories and we've all come, you celebrate diversity, all come from different backgrounds and, um, boom, 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 and we value diversity. And I mean, you just take, take who Jesus is and put that into a website, man, you know? Yeah, I like it. Uh, any other questions from anybody? Go ahead and hit star two. That'll raise your hand, and we'll uh, pull you over into the call, and you can ask your question. Bueller. Bueller. 
<laughs> you know, I tagged you when I saw that commercial, right? Like that night, I'm like, yeah. Keith Mitchell. Oh yeah. gosh. I still yeah. think you when I see that commercial and laugh out loud. Well, I appreciate that, I guess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, here's what we're going to do, guys. For those of you who are in the uh, the Bivo Business Growth Consulting, we're going to go ahead and hang on the line, and uh, we'll be able to talk about business. Uh, everyone else, uh, the Band of Brothers call is concluded. So uh, don't make me kick you off, because I'll kick you off. I see you guys. All right, I'm going. I'm going. No. I'm going. You don't have to leave me, but I know you'll probably be being associated with me. But, uh, oh, man, I already, I already feel like my, my garments are, are singed. Just the taint of it. So, hey, well, I'll see you guys later. Thanks. Thanks. For, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Let, let me do the sign-out for the, the Jump School Band of Brothers call. And remember, if you don't find yourself surrounded, you're in the wrong landing zone. Jump school! I got to get that in there, man. I got to get that in there. That's good. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you did. Hey, and uh, we should use this for the podcast this week. So that's just my two cents. Be good. All right. God bless you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com.